Yes, hello, Tyler O'Reilly here. Before we start, just wanted to remind everyone of Bazaar Plus, our membership program where you can get extra episodes every week. Just simply go to the link in the show notes. It's Sports Bazaar. Welcome aboard, everyone. If anyone isn't happy, we call it all off immediately. The hunt for the weirdest. There you go. Can you put out a fact sheet with this? <laughs> Slide my mind. I don't. I can't <laughs> keep up. Strangers. Catastrophic, amazing, bizarre. Multiple layers of stupidity coming together. What could go wrong? Most unbelievable. It's like a Coen Brothers movie. Stories to ever occur. They're only going to get weirder from here. Get comfy, everyone. Some good, some bad. And some just bizarre, which we love. In the world of sport. How many chimneys could you do in a day? I've researched the tool. To France, not Sports Bazaar. Right, police are called in. <laughs> For the players. Dennis Rodman is telling you to calm down. Testicle soup. Can I just stop you for a second? Don't act like you've never done this. I feel like once again we've strayed away from what I've researched. It's time for the leaders of the hunt. An old couple who've got our spark back. It's Titus O'Reilly and Mick Malloy. Well, welcome everybody to the latest edition of Sports Bazaar with my good self, Mick Malloy. And of course, bringing it to the table as always, Titus O'Reilly. Before we get into this one, there's something you would like to address? Well, we've had, <laughs> it makes it sound like I've uh, done something yeah, This is an apology coming down here. <laughs> I'd like to apologise for everything we've said. Cool. Um, now, we've been getting lots of correspondence. Thank and, you very much, everybody. Yeah, and no, getting back to as many people as I can too. A lot of them just great suggestions for of ups, episodes yeah. and stuff like that. But you might remember, Mick, we had an episode, it was the worst Olympics ever. And now was this Paris? Paris 1900. <laughs> Hot air ballooning. Well, if you haven't listened to this episode, go back and listen it's to it. It's a ripper. It's we you won't believe tears it. during bits of it. Was there a crossbow? I think there was a crossbow. There was crossbows. There was cannon firing. <laughs> That's right. Hot air balloons landing all around the in world. Different countries. In different countries. One of the ones in that was also shooting. Remember they shot all the pigeons? And Correct. instead of using clay pigeons, they were they live used pigeons. pigeons. And they, and shot, they them shot hundreds of them, right? <laughs> Checked with me that we can read this out. Megan Harvey is her name. She wrote, Hi, Titus and Mick. I've just finished listening to your 1900 Paris Olympics episode. And it got me thinking about something that's been in my house forever and a day. I had this vague memory that it was connected to the World Fair. So this is the World Fair that right. ran alongside the 1900. In tandem. Olympics. And remember I said it was so bad organized, some people didn't know they'd participated in the Olympics because it was all caught up with the World <laughs> Fair or... That's right. It was so badly organised. Like there was literally... It went for about six months or something Yeah, it went too, for it? over six yeah. months. And there were athletes that just thought they were participating in a, like a local foot race or something. They didn't <laughs> realise it was actually an Olympic thing. Sure. So, so she said, it got me thinking about something connected to the World Fair. So I got on the Google machine and 20 minutes later, I learned that I'm in possession of a 1900 Olympic silver medal for shooting. Wow. She said she's slightly worried that I have the blood of 300 pigeons <laughs> on my hands. And she bought it or was it a relative? No, so, this or, is she, so she just found this in her house. It's been passed down. Her great-grandfather, whose name is Walter Stanley Olson, he made a momentum during or just after World War One. It's a button from his uniform. I might be extrapolating, but I think it's his button and a couple of bullets. I assume he was in World War One, But he had a button from his uniform, a couple of bullets, a piece of shell casing, and then in the middle of this thing, and I've got pictures mm. of it, it's sort of like a momentum, a wooden thing that yes. these have been put into. It's got the Olympic medal right there in the center. It wasn't wow. a kind of medal, it's sort of square. <laughs> I can put the pictures up on our socials. She sent me a bunch. And so she finds out there it is, a shooting medal, and she knows how he got the rest of the stuff, but she says, I'm so ridiculously curious as to how he came to be in possession of it. Oh, he shot so a she pigeon. Does, he probably shot a lot of pigeons. 
<laughs> um, but she says, oh, but I'm afraid that story has been lost with the passing of his generation. Anyway, absolutely loving the podcast. Keep them coming. Well, thank you, Megan. Isn't that That's amazing? Some good feedback. Someone just go, go, I reckon that's... <laughs> Today we've um, okay. Here we go. Today though, you've like, been threatening. You've we, been threatening. We've been threatening this one for a while. This is going to be several episodes. Okay. First time I think we've done. I think we did Tour de France was two episodes. Yes. The early years. You've done a deep dive on this, and you haven't touched the sides so far. I'm going to title these episodes, this series, the dodgy road to the Qatar World Cup. Wow. We'll probably be releasing these around the time the World Cup is happening in Qatar. <laughs> and I thought, let's go back in time and figure out. Not just how we got here in the negotiations and voting for Qatar, but why is FIFA <laughs> just this crazy organisation? It's lawless. You know, lawless. So I've really delved into the history. We could have run this for two years. Yes. So this is not going to be, a, like, completely definitive because if I listed every accusation and everything... It, we can't do it. It's amazing. Like, it's absolutely amazing. But it will involve... Heavy referencing to the FIFA Ethics Committee, <laughs> you're, my you're... favourite committee in the world. I laugh every time I hear the name. So whenever I said this episode to you, just so the listeners know, whenever I said I was going to do FIFA and you yes. were like, yeah, do FIFA, you would always say the FIFA Ethics Committee, <laughs> which if you're in Australia, it's a bit like the NRL, which is the Rugby League yes. uh, Integrity Commission. You know, there's certain yeah. words that just should not no, go together. It makes me laugh. And doing this research, the ethics committee is even dodgier <laughs> than you initially think it is. Well, I'm going to kick back and enjoy this. This could go. Yeah, I'm going to get comfy. There's bits that are outright funny and then there's other bits that are just Machiavellian politics. Like it makes Game of Thrones look like a sitcom. <laughs> you know what I mean? It is yes. that brutal and yeah. so much going on. Don't worry if you don't like soccer or football, wherever you are in the world, what yeah. it's called. This is more just human drama on a massive sure. scale. But I'm assuming no knowledge of soccer. Let's remind people that the Qatar World Cup, it goes from November 20 to December 18, 2022. It's 32 teams. They compete in eight groups. It's the biggest sporting event in the world outside of the Olympics, really. And some would well, argue, some say it is bigger. And some would say bigger. Yeah. Absolutely. You've been a World I Cup. I went to you? Rio. I went to the World Cup soccer in Rio, and I've never seen anything like that. Was it amazing? It was amazing. So when the games were on, there was just the streets were deserted. Oh, so if the game was being played, everyone was inside watching. Everyone was inside watching. They had all these huge uh, beach parties that were live sites. Yeah. Which were incredible. The major stadium in San Paolo, I was actually out the front. We were scalping tickets and my friend was taken down the police station because FIFA had said we do not want any scalp or secondary market for tickets. Yeah. You were and selling my, them or buying them? Well, well, we had a few extra. So right. my mate was trying to off them. He got arrested and taken down the station. And as they put it in the back of the van, I go, but look, there's a guy being stabbed across the road. <laughs> and they did not care. But because FIFA had told them yeah. that this is a condition, we don't want this. Basically, the so law. Stabbing someone was secondary. We don't care. But he was taken. I like your effort, though. <laughs> He's taken in the station. This is the group of, look behind you. But, but what about that guy? He's being stabbed. <laughs> yeah, we don't care. <laughs> and the other one was, I may have told this story already, but I got in a cab. The guy had a TV on his dashboard. Not to screen, a TV 
mounted on his dashboard and he's driving watching, watching soccer. the World Cup. So I've seen it in action. I saw Argentina and Brazil. I was there at the beach. Biggest I'm, sporting event you've been I've at? I've never seen anything like it. I yeah. really haven't. It's because incredible. the global audience, I mean, what I love is no matter how corrupt FIFA is, yes. they've got such a good product in a way in that the demand for it is so high. Yes. They could find out that FIFA's killing kids and a lot of people would oh, still well. watch it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's a, <laughs> yes. there's few products. How many kids? Yeah, so right. the obsession is huge. There was a war. There was a soccer war. There was, a, was it Honduras? Honduras. And people keep suggesting we do a podcast on that. Too. Cool. So I thought, let's bring people up to speed because a lot of people here in Qatar is a terrible place to have the World Cup. <laughs> but a lot of people don't really know what Qatar what yeah. it is. What do we need to know? It. It's on the small Qatar Peninsula. It's in the northeastern coast of the Arabian Peninsula. So it basically is a peninsula that shares its land border, only land border, with Saudi Arabia. The rest is surrounded Thank by you. the Persian Gulf. Yep. It's really near Bahrain. It's just across the Gulf from Bahrain. But it's this tiny peninsula. To give you an idea of how small it is, it's 849 times smaller than the United States. Yep. For Australians, it's 668 times smaller than Australia. It's 21 times smaller than the United Kingdom. It's smaller than Hawaii. It's smaller than Fiji. Okay. It's the same size as the Falkland Islands. <laughs> so it's not like this. Okay. It's 11,000 square kilometers. It's tiny. The capital is Doha. It's literally in the desert. It's been built up. It's yeah. 80,000 of the national population lives in Doha. So they all Incredible. live in this because the rest is basically desert. So it's right? desert. And because it was nothing until natural gas and oil was found, right? That's like, its that's, primary that's its thing. thing. So it's not like it's a place lots of people were living beforehand anyway. Yeah. To give you an idea, the population is just under 3 million, but only 313,000 of those 3 million people are actually Qatarian citizens. Who's making up the numbers? So the rest of them are all immigrant workers. Yeah, okay. From India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Nepal, Philippines. Kenya, Uganda, places like that. So basically immigrant workers who were just there to do work and then leave, they're not citizens yes. in the Qataris' minds, they make up 85% of the people there. So oh. they're holding a World Cup in a place that really has a population of, you know, 313,000 people. Incredible. So this is not like the fact they got it. It's the third largest natural gas reserves and oil reserves in the world. Yes. So that's where all the money comes from. You've got the third largest of that in the world. And you've only got 313,000 people. people. The ruling class just go, hey, have some money. So there's no elections. It's a king. It's just ruled yeah. through authoritarian kind of. But might. those immigrant workers would be well looked after. Oh, they're incredibly they? well looked after. <laughs> incredibly well looked after. So this is where FIFA have got in trouble in that why would you hold it here? It's this desert. It doesn't make sense. There's barely any people, football suits. So go through some of the reasons why Qatar is a terrible place to have it. Sure. And they range from the moral human rights problems yes. through to just pure the weather. Everything is against <laughs> having it in Qatar, right? Oh, Everything. Gosh. I'll run you through the list quickly. Let's go. Nothing makes sense yeah. to have this in Qatar. Millions of migrant laborers have built an estimated $220 billion worth of new construction. Okay. $220 billion just to get ready for the World Cup. So it had none of the infrastructure in place. And what are they going to do with that after the Nothing. World Cup? It's, this is all about making Qatar look good on the world stage. Yes. But it has no long-term thinking of this, right? Cool. They're building eight new stadiums, which FIFA asked for. 
FIFA go in and just, they're so powerful. They say, you have to do X, Y, Z. These are well, Like whatever. FIFA said, you need eight new stadiums. You've got to build an expansion of the airport and new hotels everywhere. Qatar, when they won it, said they were going to get people to camp in the desert. <laughs> they tell what, what, a few person, hotels what, and stuff. Cus- Bring the, a tent. They actually said that. Bring a tent. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought so. They said for thousands of years, the Qatari people have lived in the desert. You're like, yeah, but the English tourists <laughs> coming and the Americans, no. they're not really built for living in the desert, right? Wouldn't have thought An so. American doesn't step out of air conditioning in their entire Correct. life, right? So they built new hotels. They brought railways and, and highways to get there. Now, what's caused a lot of problems is how many deaths have there been building all this. Qatar says 37 labourers have died at World Cup stadium construction sites from 2014 to 2020 in their accident records, but only three were work-related. So they say there's a heart attacks or whatever and all that sort of stuff. So anything, okay. anyone who does die, they they don't investigate. They don't care. But secondly, Natural if causes. quiz, they go, oh, no, he had a stroke. Nothing to do with the... In fact, they're working in heat and all yeah, this sort of stuff. Okay. This is their prediction of about 37 people have died at stadiums is way under. So way anyone's. Under. They say that anywhere between, and all the estimates I've read, is between 6,500 deaths down to 2,500 deaths. So it's somewhere in that range of people who have died building these stadiums and stuff. There you go. So, when you, you know, so this is taking the shine off. This is why all the teams are protesting, players are protesting at the moment. Under the kafala system, which is in place there, it's the Labor government system. It works in other places in the Arab Gulf too, like Jordan, Lebanon. Migrant workers need their employees' permission to leave their jobs or to leave the country. So if oh, you want to go, hand your I'm passport going, in kind of Yeah, job. hand your passport in, all that sort of stuff. The employers hold their workers' residency and work permits and they can cancel them at any time and deport them at any time. So if you protest or We're dangerously close to slave territory here, are we not? It's very much like that, right? So that's all the stuff happening there. At the moment, they just moved 1,200 foreign workers who were in their apartments building. Yes. They just came up to them and with like no notice said, you'll have to move out now because we need this for tourists when they get here in a few weeks. Thanks. I just booted them out and did yeah. the thing. So that's what they're like, right? Women need to ask men permission to marry, travel and study abroad. The whole legal status of homosexuality has caused a big issue. It's illegal. You can go to jail for seven years for it. One of their ambassadors today, I think, came out and said, it's just wrong in the head, I believe is the phrase. <laughs> so they're subtle about it too. Yeah, yeah. Actually, around there's a lot of things about them. They've been told by FIFA they have to allow rainbow flags to be unveiled <laughs> in the stadium. And FIFA is so powerful that they've gone, all right, we'll go along with it. Sepp Blatter, when he awarded this to them, was criticised about why would you give this to a country that, you know, has got such anti-LGBTQI rules. So they said, what should, you know, gay fans do if they go want to go to Qatar? He said, I'd say they should refrain from any sexual activities. Job done. So that's Sepp Blatter just <laughs> caused a bit of outrage. Hey, there's a name we'll come to know and love we'll over the Jews. Can I just say this? And this is one thing that boggles my mind. Yeah. There are huge uproar over Live Golf and the Saudis and yeah, everything yeah. that happens in that department. We go, how can we do it? Yet everyone's trotting off to a World Cup in Qatar, which has just oh, as it's heen. Why is this not as big an issue? Well, it kind of is the idea that this is the power of it, right? Golf, most people I think can either take or leave, or there's the PGA as an alternative anyway. Yes, and so they're a bit like, yeah, this is outrageous, and but it's almost like even me knows I'll watch the World Cup. There's you know, nothing and they can do that will not. Well, there's sort of there is in that you kind of go. 
this has to change. But it's still in the meantime. Football is so powerful. in the meantime. Holland's playing Ireland, yeah. and I'm gonna, uh, you know, I'm not gonna miss this, you know, yeah. like so. And it's so it is something that even I've known so many people say this. They go, I don't know why I'm gonna watch this. I shouldn't. If we move away, and even if you couldn't give a rat's about the moral issues or surrounding the Qatar, there's also just a lot of reasons why Qatar's a really bad place to do it. Yeah. The average temperature in Qatar every year is 29 degrees Celsius. Yes. Football is a winter sport. It's a winter sport. <laughs> it can hit 40 during the summer months regularly. So normally it's June, July, the World Cup. Yes. When they awarded it to them for June, July, oh. sometimes in Qatar around that time it can hit 50 degrees Celsius. That's 122 Fahrenheit. <laughs> So the hottest temperature ever recorded in Qatar is 50.4 degrees Celsius, which was at Doha Airport. Only 10 countries in Asia have ever endured harsher heat than this. So holding a soccer tournament in it's summer. It was never going to happen. It, well, it was always ridiculous, right? Absolutely. Thing. And how, what did they say at the time? They said, well, we're just going to air condition every stadium. This was the thing. FIFA went there and did the tour and the inspection team said it was high risk due to weather. So it wasn't like it was solved or there was – they just ignored it when they awarded it to Qatar. <laughs> this is where the bribery scandals and all that we'll get into come in because on no way does this make – even if you ignore all the moral issues, yes. just physically it makes no sense yeah. to do this. When they pitched, Qatar did say, we'll air condition the grounds, of course. They threw out all these crazy ideas like we'll have these floating solar clouds that will shade. That's right. That will They're shade the stadium. Stuff into the clouds. Yeah, we'll do clouds. Yeah. But also they'd have these – floating big sh in the sky, like almost like drone-like things that would block the sun. Wow. Just madness, right? That's like, like Monty Burns stuff. Yeah, from and, the and you can air condition the stadium, but you've been to Brazil World Cup. Yeah, yeah. How much of the partying's happening outside yeah. the stadium? You're not, you're, not in the, you're not in the stadium. You're in the stadium for an hour or two. Like you it's go to the match, party. but the rest of the time it's a street party, right? Um, so this was so unworkable that everyone's going, you know, this is absolutely ridiculous. How are we going to do this? So they decide that they're going to shift it to winter, which is where it's happening now, winter in the Northern Hemisphere. So right. into November. Have they ever November, done that before? No, nah, never. No. So once so the, again, tail wagging the dog here. Yep. So it's like the 20th of November into December. Even then it's expected to be around 21 to 26 degrees. So it's not like it's going. Yeah, so a it's, picnic. It's, it's bearable for things. This has got a whole bunch of problems too. While it's cooler in terms of things, it takes place in the most humid months. So the average humidity oh in December is 71%. <laughs> so there's sort of, okay, it's not going to be 50 degrees, so that's good, but it might be 26, 27 degrees with, you know, 71% humidity. No. So it's not fun. Have fun. The average for the whole country of that time is around 59%, so it's going to be high. FIFA suddenly said, we're going to change it. And this is FIFA to a T. They go, yeah. we're going to change it to winter. Because it had been summer, they had gone and already sold the 2018 and the 2022 Russia and Qatar's World Cups to Fox in America right. for $425 million, right, for the right to broadcast both of them. Fox hears word that this has been moved from June, July to November, December. And a furious, they go, this will clash with the NFL season. Americans don't care about soccer. It's one thing to run it yeah. outside of the NFL season. Yes. It'll fill some content. Risk. But we've got content in the summer. Why the hell would we want it's to show? It's a waste for us. It's yeah. a waste for us. We've got NFL anyway. We paid expecting it to be this. They say we're going to sue FIFA, right? <laughs> FIFA quickly come out, this is back in 2015, and say, 
hey, Fox have won the right to broadcast the 2026 World Cup with no competition bids from anyone else. <laughs> so just they went wow. to Fox and said, don't sue us, we'll give you the next World Cup, the 2026 one, on the cheap. Problem sorted. The New York Times reported they just purely did it to avoid being sued in the US courts because Fox, if they had sued FIFA, FIFA would have had to open their books and expose any possible <laughs> corruption. Okay, that's a house of cards. Yeah. BBC Sports editor Dan Rowan observed, it does not seem to matter that FIFA, that rival networks ESPN and NBC may have wanted to bid or that more money could have been generated for the good of the sport had a proper auction been held. As ever, it seemed FIFA was looking after itself. After itself. And, of course, the Qatar decision again. Yeah, again. So all the, there's a lot of trouble that's gone to Oh, yeah, here. yeah. So this is the, what FIFA do, right? February 2015, they officially announce it's going to now be a winter. So once they've sorted Fox out, they go, it's going to be a winter World Cup, winter Northern Hemisphere, yeah. right? Then commentators all come out and go, well, hang on, that's in the middle of, like, the Premier League, the all the European leagues, all the top oh my God. players in of the course, world all play. Uh, and so suddenly all the rest What happens of, to that? This is the problem. They're all going to have to take some weeks off. But you look at like France, they've already lost about three of their key players because they're all in an active season. So right now if you're a Premier League footballer, you get injured and are out for two weeks, you'll miss the World Cup, which is every four years. You only, might only get two or three in your lifetime. You've got a chance, maybe only one. So all these players now are going, this is – so you're going to have a this World Cup outrageous. severely depleted because there'll be a lot of injuries because you're in season. Yeah. When normally players finish the Premier League or, you know, the Spanish La Liga or something, get fit for the World Cup, you got the best talent. Now it's already France have lost a, a bunch a of debacle. others. So it's an absolute debacle. So they're all furious. And the World Cup is the most important thing for these players. And now a lot of them, are, they'll be in good form, but they'll be tired, you know, because they're yeah, playing all these right. other things and stuff. So well, lucky the conditions in Guitar are pretty comfy. <laughs> Exactly. You're tired, 71% humidity. Yep, exactly. It's yeah, like, man. and this is affecting all teams because all the top teams, even if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, like Brazil and, you know, Argentina, their leagues are on, not at this time, but all their good players play in Europe. Of so, course. So it's going to stuff all the top teams because if you've got top players, they're in Europe. And not to mention the TV schedules and all the stuff. So they just drove a bus it's through just a every other ball. soccer league. This yeah, whole yeah. thing. The World Cup's going to cost Qatar. 138 billion pounds or 220 billion US. It's about 60 times more than what South Africa spent on the 2010 yeah. World Cup because there's no infrastructure, right? So when South Africa have better infrastructure than you, <laughs> <laughs> so 107 billions spent on stadiums and facilities, another 31 billion alone is on transport infrastructure, 30 billion has been spent on air conditioning the stadiums. <laughs> This is all good for the climate too, by the <laughs> yeah, way. Isn't great for it? the climate. Forty-eight billion on training facilities and accommodation for fans and players. Twenty-eight billion on creating a whole new city from scratch called Lusail that will surround the stadium. That's the opening and final matches of the tournament. Yeah. So when they got the bid, they didn't have a, the stadium, that, and they built a whole city around it. So this isn't just this is like a whole new city. You Google Lusail, <laughs> it's just a whole new city. Just built. And it's going to be empty after the World So Cup. much of this is going to just be pointless, right? They're building a capacity that's just… What is going on? What's the point? At the time of being awarded the tournament in 2010, because you might say, well, hang on, Qatar, they're, they're a big footballing nation. They were rated 113 in the world and never qualified for the World Cup ever before. <laughs> they'd only ever got to the AFC Asian Cup in the first knockout yeah. round, so they'd barely ever been in it. 
they are often known for naturalizing players from foreign nations to play in their own team <laughs> to the point where FIFA actually changed rules to stop them doing it. They were so okay. dodgy about it. They're now ranked 50th in the world, but Good they'll be them. playing because they're the hosts. They're the hosts, so they're automatic inclusion. Now, and a thing that proves that this really shouldn't have been awarded to Qatar, so forget all the <laughs> foreign people dying and the, Let's you know. Let's park all that. That's, you know, gay people being illegal and all this. Forget it. And, Terrible treatment of women. They, these are minor issues to the fact that alcohol is illegal in Qatar. <laughs> That's the big issue for me. Oh, no. So they've had to bend over backwards. I think the English fans will see the funny side. <laughs> Those Russian fans, yeah. are they there? Because the, oh, the Qatar legal system's, um, you know, it's got rules about Now they've given them all these permits. So there's going to be fan zones where you can get alcohol. But they're still arguing over whether you'll be able to have alcohol sold in the venues so in july 2022 that was still plans were still being finalized whether to allow that so they're going to have special fan zones outside the stadiums where you can drink this is like a takeover of the world cup we're yeah. going to have it we're going to stage it at the time of year we want we'll decide whether you can have alcohol or not like it's just it's, it's, it's been taken from the fans yeah and wow the other thing they've been found to be doing is they're paying groups of fans who are traveling to the tournament they're paying for them to come as long as they post positive social media stories about Qatar. I read this. So they're calling them ambassadors. Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. So, so they paid 50 Dutch fans, said, we'll pay for your flights, your hotels, but, you know, you've got to sign a code of conduct that means you'll post favourable comments about the tournament and Jesus. that you won't make any abusive or terrible remarks about it. So all this is going on, right? Yeah. So that's Qatar. The stage is set. The stage for, is set. For the it's going to be amazing. What, what could go wrong? It's just a ripper. <laughs> It's well thought out. It's appropriate. Yeah, it uh, it's a the lot natural of home <laughs> for a tournament of this size and scale it's, and world interest. So, on no criteria should Qatar have the World Cup, <laughs> whether it's moral, economic, temperature, time, size, football history. You know, it's not even I'm like intrigued. Shows. It's Uruguay. It's got this proud history. It's yeah. got nothing right. I'm intrigued. You're intrigued. Why it ended up there. So to understand why we're there, we have to go back to what FIFA is and how we got here because this is yeah. the outcome of decades upon decades. When was FIFA formed? We're going right back to the start. So FIFA was formed basically at the time you remember when soccer is started, England often obviously invented the soccer. game. And the, so they sort of had the, you know, the home nations, you know, Scotland, Wales, England, you know, various parts, Northern Ireland, things like that. They sort yes. of the home nations. They were the obvious ones to lead this international soccer movement, right? Sure. But they couldn't get their act together and weren't really that interested because to them, they were like, we're the centre of the world, British Empire at the time. Idiots. Why, why do we care about the rest of the world, right? And they got asked a lot by the French, why don't we form this international body to oversee football around the world, Smart. this new sport. They said, nah, nah, not, no interest. So the French decide, well, we'll launch it. They launch in 1904, they started, and it's they invent FIFA, which is in Paris they invent it. It brings together the governing bodies of France, Belgium, Denmark, Netherlands, Spain, Sweden, and then Switzerland. And then Germany is also joins as well, but they don't show up to the actual Congress. They just show up. Uh, they send a telegram saying, we're in. <laughs> right. We like the yeah. idea. So they're formed and they start thinking. The problem is British countries aren't involved. So it's lacks like soccer's really just a European sport at yes. this point. So it lacks a lot. But the England finally joined in 1905 
they start to get some federations in place, which is the FIFA have various federations that look after various continents, yes. basically, roughly. Um, they start to expand. They start to run these international matches and all this, but they're not very well organized. And so at the Olympic Games instead of the World Cup was where they have tournaments. So they yes. had the... Remember they had the one in the French Paris one where it was just a bunch of English expats showed up and pl- one pretended to be France and one pretended That's to right. be England. That's right, yes. That was kind of what it was. Not- 1908 and 1912 Olympic Games have okay football tournaments, but they're run by the Football Association out of Great Britain. So FIFA is a sideshow. Right. It's not very important okay. and all that. In 1909, South Africa joined. They're the first non-European Okay. Member, but you got to remember they're run by the British. I was say, we're the South American countries. Yeah, well, Argentina and Chile joined in 1912. United States and Canada entered just before World War One. So that's sort of like it starts boom, but it's really nothing. There's no money. They're not running anything. No one cares. There's no World Cup at this stage. No World Cup. There's nothing at all. Does any one country control it? Is it? Is it no. I mean, so, England are the most powerful still. You know, yeah. because they've seen as the home of football. They've got all this. You know, even the French are saying oh, the, to the English, you need to come and join FIFA, you need to get involved, yeah. we need your legitimacy for all this. The British keep dropping in and out of FIFA in these early years, depending <laughs> on what mood they're in, if they're, you know, and they keep arguing over things. Straight away, politics and FIFA are, like, entwined. So yeah. the British, for example, they leave in protest because ahead of World War One, the central powers, Germany, Austria, Hungary, Bulgaria and the Ottoman Empire are part of FIFA, allowed yes. into FIFA. So the British goes, we're out. We're about to fight a fight. Yeah. We're out. So it keeps happening like that. goes back and forth. Uh, we could go on for hours. It's The minutiae of it's mildly interesting, but not anything that, that's important for us. The key bit is, in between the wars, yeah. after World War One, FIFA begins to organise more Olympic game football tournaments and 60,000 people turn up for the 1924 Summer Olympics football final between Uruguay and Switzerland. Okay. So suddenly people, the light bulb goes on. It's on. People want to see world countries, countries play, each play other football at the biggest level. level. So they start to say at the Amsterdam Congress, FIFA Congress of 28th of May 1928, they go, let's stage our own world championship. Let's get away from the Olympics. Let's do this. And they decide to do it and it's decided that they will hold the first one in 1930 in Uruguay. So in the early days, the Europeans and the South Americans control soccer. And is it in the format you know it of today, like every four years and in alternate? It starts to off being Olympics? like that, yeah. Yes. It starts off with every four years based sure. on the Olympic model, basically. Yep. Like they've seen the Olympics work. And they go, instead of running our tournament in the Olympics, let's just run our own thing. The problem with Uruguay is it's at the time, this is before planes, right. it takes months to get to Uruguay. So all the European countries say, well, we're not going. So FIFA, <laughs> put, like, why go? Yeah. FIFA put the hard word on them. And the only European countries that go are Belgium, France, Romania, and Yugoslavia. So England don't go, right. none of that. So none of the big guns are there. Yeah, so the Romanians only go because the newly crowned king, King Carol II, yes. a favourite of yours, I know. Oh, I love him. This is how amateurish football is at the time, right? There's no money in it. Yes. He selected the squad personally. <laughs> And he negotiated with their employers to ensure that the players would have jobs when they returned. This is incredible. So you know what I mean? Like it's, it's nothing like today. Like it's, it's like a little holiday. Got like it's like got permission yeah, to Yeah, it's not like turn the king up. rings you. <laughs> yes, your highness. Just, what are your employees? Quite a good footballer. Could you let him off? A yeah. Uruguay win that and it's, so it's seen as an okay thing but not great. The next one is Italy gets chosen. Now this is where FIFA start to get a bit more FIFA-ish. If I can, <laughs> feverish. If I can term I like the phrase. term, yes. 
This is in 1934. The 1934 World Cup is held in Italy. Who's just risen to power in Italy and wants it? Uh, Mussolini. Mussolini. Here we so go. this is much like Hitler does with the Olympics, Olympics in 36. Yes. He's ahead of Hitler. He goes, I can use this. And they do all this stuff like they print the tickets on the best paper possible. They do all this stuff to show Italy is and fascism is a fantastic a great thing. thing. Yeah. The World Cup is totally used to sh- highlight fascism to the world. So <laughs> Qatar is not new in this, Qatar right? Is like just Qatar, the yeah, Qatar's just like to the uh, point where um it was the first ever one where it was it was won by Italy. There was all this stuff of corruption around appointment of referees. Benito Mussolini's right in the middle of this like the referee was wound off about yeah. like helping out Italy and all this sort of there's all this dodgy stuff that we yeah. go it's long but the main bit is it's broadcast live on radio. So this yes. becomes a big because fascists love radio. So it's <laughs> <laughs> so it becomes this huge thing. And it's just this thing of using it. So Italy win that one. War breaks out. It all goes pear-shaped. So Uruguay won their one and Italy, Italy won their wins theirs. Wins, wins yeah. theirs yeah. And so there's it. Post-war, the four British nations, once the war's done, 1946, they all return and join FIFA and, right. and are now in. 1947, a match of the century is held between Great Britain and the rest of Europe a representative team. It's at Hampton Park in Glasgow. 135,000 spectators wow. show up. Britain wins 6-1. But the proceeds of the match, which is 35,000 pounds, are given to FIFA to help relaunch it. So okay. this is where it starts to get there. By the time it reaches 1954, it's got 84 members. So FIFA has grown and this is where FIFA starts to just get actual, Consolidate consolidated. The 50s and 60s, it bounces along. The key bit is in 1961, a guy called Stanley Rue was appointed. He was a former referee, English guy. He's appointed. He is a real traditionalist. He believes that football is from that public school English. It should be amateur. We don't pay people. It's all very steady. It's very much a colonial body. So the white guys rule it from Europe. South Americans have a fair say in it because some of them have Spanish background. <laughs> Africa, Asia, the rest of the world get stuff. Like, yeah, sure. we, we're lucky to let you in. So they just sort of do that sort of stuff. Yep. He is to the point where he makes the World Cup a big international sport event. So he does that very well. It, it comes up enormous as like the Olympic Games. So he does that really well. Mm. He's got a several big problems though. One, there's no money. He doesn't monetize the game yeah. At all. There's no sponsorship. There's no whatever. It's an amateur. Everyone shows up and does it for the Very love of the game. Very Very unfaithful-like. His other big problem is he was a massive fan of apartheid South Africa in that he thought that it had to be admitted and kept in FIFA because the local Confederation of African Football, so FIFA sits above all the confederacy, the confederations, and the confederations don't report to FIFA. They're sort of separate but... They kind of work under FIFA to give it legitimacy yes. and give themselves legitimacy. They kept kicking out South Africa because South Africa had apartheid. So the other African nations that made up the Confederation African Football kept saying, we're booting you out. FIFA kept saying, no, they're part of FIFA. We want them back in. So Rue was saying, if we don't let South Africa in, we'll, we'll lose football. Rugby will be the main sport right. there. We've got to let them in. To the point where it gets all crazy because the local African Confederation keeps suspending them. Ruse keeps saying, let them back in, to the point where at one point South Africans offer to send a white team 
for the 1966 World Cup and a black team for the 1971 to okay. get around it, right? So it's just sure. absolutely nuts. This outrages all of Africa. They're all like going, this is absolutely ridiculous. We can't do it. And they eventually kick them all out. But Ruse keeps arguing it should they should be in. Even yeah. when they've been kicked out, he keeps arguing to send them back in. The other thing that Rue does, which is slightly weird, FIFA decided in 1974, Chile and the USSR World Cup is to be a playoff, a playoff to get into the World Cup, is to be held in Santiago. But General Augusto Pinochet has just <laughs> staged a deadly coup. Okay. The ground that they wanted to play the game in was being used out for mass torture and execution. <laughs> right? Oh God. Thousands are being imprisoned up to November 7. The game is scheduled to be played there on November 21. Okay. FIFA send a team out to do a walk around of this stadium to see if it's fit to be played in. There are literally 7,000 prisoners. There's blood everywhere. No, FIFA walk go. around and go, it looks fine. Uh, here we go. This is the FIFA. Right, I've yeah. come to know it. It like. looks fine. We can play here. Yeah. Chileans quickly rush all the prisoners out and clean the stadium up. Yeah. The USSR say, we're not coming. This is a human on, rights on that basis. So when the Soviet Union are the good guys on human rights <laughs> and FIFA are when the they're bad going, guys, nah, enough's enough. They don't fly out, which which results in these farcical scenes where Chile take the pitch with no opponent, right, in in front of fifteen thousand fans. What's the spectacle? They kick off, walk down with no opponent, kick a goal. FIFA awards a one nil walkover for Chile. I just don't know what to say. So this is where FIFA started. And how'd the fans go? I was there that day. It was what amazing. a great game. What a goal. That goal. The captain got to kick it too. <laughs> so FIFA got to the point where they got no money. They're yes. supporting Pinochet. They're supporting South African <laughs> apartheid. And yes. everyone's broke. And they are run by the European white countries sort of club. Yes. And they see Africa and Asia as complete backwaters. Yeah. So this sets the scene. Wow for what's next to come. And the key bit here is one man realises this all has to change and I've figured out how to change it. And his name is Joao Havelange, who is a Brazilian. And he is the guy that basically invented the model of FIFA that we've come to the, know and love today. The original the original guy. guy. Wow. So anything Sepp Blatter has done. <laughs> he, he's indebted. He stands on the shoulders of greatness. <laughs> so I think we might pause it there for this episode. We're going to continue this discussion. We're going to continue this in the next episode. When we come back, we're going to get into Havilland, who is one of the craziest characters in sports administration ever. He yes. Was, he was on the IOC for 43 years. He was president of FIFA for about 24 years. He brings a wealth of knowledge. And to he revolutionises sport more than probably any other person in history, but also introduces a level of corruption that is so astounding. All right, hurry up. Let's get into that next episode. If you love listening to Mick and myself bang on all the time, and why wouldn't you, we have a membership program, Bizarre Plus, and if you're interested in signing up, just simply go to the link in our show notes. Cheers. Cheers.